This, the season, I mean, I don't know. We've got so many more seasons lined up. Every every episode, we think of five other, other things we want to do. Oh, that's know. good. I know. I'm so horny for it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, this is the part where the Beatles, everything's working. The Beatles are together. They're making albums. But I, I don't know. The story gets so much more exciting once there are no Beatles at all. And <laughs> you know. Somehow, yes. All right. Jeez, okay. like, Shall we? On that, on that note, hold on. Sweet. John thought of the name Beatles, and he'll tell you about it now. <laughs> well, I had a vision when I was 12. And I saw a man on a flaming pie. And he said, you are Beatles with an A, and we are. Welcome to Flaming Pie. I'm Jason, and I'm joined by... Leo. And Eric. And uh, our special guest, Alex. You was AA? <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so yeah, um, we are. We have a special guest, uh, Alex. It's great to have you here, uh, and we got a big one on our hands. Uh, we're gonna be d- tackling disc one of the Beatles, the t- the the titular album, if you will. An easy breezy, quick episode on the first half of the White Album. <laughs> yeah, well, I just uh, you. Usually we don't like pump up our guests and say here's here's why they're famous or why you know Alex do you want to do you want to like uh, like justify your presence because like basically you're on our podcast that means it's like it's worth having you here like we don't have to explain anything to anybody because there's like you know there's twelve people listening and it's worth having you here but it may not be worth being here yeah <laughs> oh so explain it from my perspective it's probably very similar. And to yours for having me. Uh, Alex is a musician, like some of us. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean for that, that was to a, be... That uh, was a stab at me, I think. <laughs> yeah, one, one, of, one of you is not a real musician in my mind. I'm going to flip uh, this fucking table over. I'm pretty sure it's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he's he's here, and I, I I don't know. We've I've known him on the internet, and we've talked about the Beatles and about the White Album, and I think I feel like Alex. I don't know. He's kind of he kind of denied it going in, but I feel like he has some dare I say hot takes on basically the last two three years of the Beatles, where uh, yeah, yeah, he, 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 picks, he picks it apart to an extent that I can find maybe I don't know frustrating. Nice, <laughs> uh, which is why I wanted to have him on here because you know I'm not going to do it, so he can do it. Yeah, I can't wait to get into at least a discussion with someone who's uh, half fucking engaged. And uh, really break this material down, you know? I'm looking forward to it. What album is this again? <laughs> so um, you you may remember from our last episode, we, we kind of had the uh, Escher Kinfon sessions kind of queued up for the end of that. Um, we mentioned that we were going to tack it on to the beginning of uh, this episode, but... I'm going to surprise move. We're not, we're not, we're going to punt it yet again, uh, to season two. Um, mostly because it's not really, I mean, it's in the catalog, but that it's, it's, it was a later addition to the catalog and it really just muddies what I want to do with this, uh, first season. Uh, so I mean, yeah, let's not get bogged down. We are, we already did our like magical mystery tour plus, Yellow right. Submarine. That that gets into the weeds of uh, kind of the more esoteric Beatles songs that came out right. in early '68. So, and um, if uh, if uh, if you guys don't have any objection 
going forward, I'm going to refer to the album as the White Album, even though it is called The Beatles, uh, as to not confuse uh, the listeners. Uh, I, I, and I don't know. It's gonna, it is going to confuse me because I've never heard it referred to that way before. By, <laughs> by anybody. I've never heard of anybody being disrespectful of it to the extent that they would refer to it by a colloquialism, but uh, sure, you know, whatever. Uh, well, I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate that on that, on your end. Um, guys, this is probably my favorite Beatles album. And beyond that, this is probably, uh, if I had to choose like a stranded on a desert Island, uh, LP, it would be it would be this because if you're stand stranded on a desert island and you're like dying from dehydration, you would you just want to have like number nine, number nine <laughs> to calm you down. From I'm just saying. Well, death. yeah, I mean, maybe that's part of it. Okay. Maybe I mean, I just like that it has a little bit of everything, um, all from all different genres of music, mm. and uh, so it's it's a it's a great great album. And I'm I mean I'm not going to bog us down now, uh, but. Just putting that out there. Put my cards on the table. I, I would have chose uh, Pink Floyd, The Division Bell. All right. <laughs> is that, is that, it's that, a that's joke. A, okay, all right. That album sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that album sucks. Well, hey, you, you know, know they, they had a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool promotional tie-on where you, where you could you could win like a a Division Bell branded Volkswagen. Jesus Christ! It, it had like Pink Floyd graphics on it. Right. He's out. You did not like that our, joke. Our guest has literally <laughs> uh, left us. So, I mean, that's fine. We knew it would probably come to this at some point. Not this know. early, though. <laughs> I put a note in the chat that I had to close my door. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I thought it was a division bell thing. I was like, oh, fuck. I struck a chord. <laughs> um, Eric, do you mind kind of uh, giving us a little basic overview on the album? Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you want me to stretch it a little bit? Uh, yeah. uh, the white album, you know, it's a good album, it's, it's pretty good, I guess. Uh, uh, at the early 1968, Beatles were after, after their trip to India, um, during which they cleared themselves out of LSD and just smoked weed for a couple months. Uh, they then they got back to London and immediately started taking drugs again. Um, <laughs> But it really, you know, they, they came out with a full clutch of songs that were written on acoustic guitar in India, largely. Uh, everybody overproduced, uh, which is probably the problem. And uh, uh, during these sessions, arguments broke out among, among the foursome over creative differences and the presence of John Lennon's new partner, Yoko Ono, uh, whose uh, presence in the studio changed the Beatles' policy of excluding wives and girlfriends from the studio, which, no frankly, I think was a... A policy that was uh, uh, already showing its age in 1968, and it was time to bring all the girlfriends in. As we see in Get Back, every, you know, everybody's... Uh, George has his Hare Krishnas. Yep, yeah. Uh, Linda's there <laughs> constantly. Right. So, yeah, you know, clearly it made the band better, made it work better. Everybody had their own friends there who wasn't a Beatle. You know, I think that was Everybody important. Everybody brought their own posse. Right, right. Everybody, every band should function by bringing in a friend who you're friends with, who's not friends with the band. That's how bands should work. What if it's another band member? <laughs> that's even better. If, if yeah. it's four band members who each only like one other person in yeah. the band, there you go. Yeah. That's the perfect, that's, that's a perfect the juice. band. That's the juice right there for sure. It's all business at that point. 
Uh, McCartney described the sessions as a turning point for the group, uh, as there were a lot. Of, there was a lot of friction during that album. We were just about to break up, and that was tense in itself. Yeah. Lennon said uh, the breakup of the Beatles can be heard on this album. Yeah. Some go-ins. Yeah, uh, I mean Jeff Emmerich kind of left uh, his post during the recording. Uh, Ringo had a little uh, temper tantrum and and left for uh, you know a number of weeks. George so, Martin also left for a little while. Yeah, an, un, an unannounced vacation. Uh, so yeah, people were kind of just jumping and running, and they were kind of just left to produce themselves. Um, when George Martin sort of took off, um, whether it was for that holiday or just on the day to day, producers um, Ken Scott and Chris Thomas were uh, on the scene, and they would go on to um, produce fantastic uh, acts. Uh, Elton John, uh, Ken Scott was with uh, Bowie during uh, the Hunky Dory and Ziggy Stardust period, uh, working with Pink Floyd, uh, Devo, Duran Duran. Uh, Chris Thomas, who uh, will show up on the recording, uh, would go on to produce Badfinger, Roxy Music, The Pretenders, Sex Pistols, In Excess. So some some really cool uh engineers on this outside you know outside of the normal george martin <laughs> uh leo it's time to uh talk about the cover uh you gotta you got your hands full with this one I yeah think, huh? i think the best way to describe this album cover is i just heard a low thrumming sound yeah Can't hear a damn wow. thing. No, it's so low frequency, I, man. It's very low frequency. I, I mean, look at Leo in the Zoom. Wow. His brain waves have gone completely alpha. Yes, yes. So, the record sleeve was a collaboration designed by Paul McCartney and one of the earliest pop artists, Richard Hamilton. As one might expect, the White Album features a very stark just blank white background with the band's name blind embossed off center and a little crooked uh, a little note is that each copy of the record features a unique stamped serial number uh, according to Hamilton uh, to, to create the ironic situation of a numbered edition of something like 5 million copies <laughs> very very artistic statement here yeah uh, the photos on the sleeve were taken by John Kelly and arranged over a couple, uh, over a few days by Hamilton and McCartney, putting them in different order until they finally got it right. Because there's four members and that takes a long time. <laughs> An interesting note is uh, the album's working title was A Doll's House, but the English prog band Family. Eric, are you a fan of Family? Yes. So they released their album Music in a Doll's House in July of 1968 before the Beatles could release the What is the White Album. Let's hear Family, family are great. Awesome. 
Guys, we have a lot of material to get through. That was winter. Winter. That guy sounds like uh, that guy sounds like Peter Gabriel. He really does. Very prog. Generally regarded as an influence on early Genesis uh, family. Oh, you could you can hear it for sure. I've never heard that band before. I never heard that song before. But I will say, just based on that, that it's better than anything on the White Album. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I got here a hot take flying in, so uh, let's there we go. Let's do it. We could just let this one play, and I am just going to let it play in the background. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Hot. Okay, so this one uh, was also uh, begun in India. Uh, and with the help of Mike Love, even though this sounds like a major diss track, Mike Love was actually, he found it charming enough to help add with the, yeah, with the I think the Mike Love influence on the White Album is uh, is kind of an interesting runner because uh, one of Mike Love's favorite things is to insert references to other Beach Boys songs into new Beach Boys songs, uh, <laughs> which started, I think, around 1968 with the song Do It Again, which was very much like basically the theme that he comes back to again and again and again and again and again and again is wasn't it so great that summer we had right for like like nostalgia looking back at when the beach boys you know and so like and the references that he made i mean you can pull up beach boys songs from the 80s or 90s where it's like didn't we have fun 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 and doing it again last summer it's like it'll just be so explicit and over like you, you know he just keeps layering on more and more so so then this the white out album has a a, a beatles meta moment that's coming this is a little bit meta and that it is. Mike Love apparently suggested that this song, why don't you drop a bunch of Beach Boys references into the song? Yeah, like, like the okay. listing of the girls, the different types of, you know, the places the girls were from. That was kind of, I guess, his idea. And, and then, had, you know, shortly thereafter, we're going to hit Glass Onion, which is full of meta textual Beatles references. So right. I think, you know, Mike Love, the least avant-garde musician <laughs> in, of the 60s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Had his had his influence on this album. Uh, I guess Paul was being uh, a real pain during the recording of this, and uh, Ringo. This was the point uh, in the recording, August twenty second and twenty third, uh, that Ringo actually quits. So the, this drum track is basically a composite drum track uh, of mostly Paul um, playing the the basic uh, backing track uh, track. Uh, take five is the uh, basic backing track, and uh, John's playing bass on that. Uh, he's he's replaced on bass later uh, during the second round of overdubs, 
uh, featuring Paul on bass and George on a Fender six string bass. And uh, the first appearance of the Fender six, I believe. Right, right. And John is banging out additional snare hits. Uh, Alex, what do you think? I actually have a question about this track. Um, I mean, I like it, but the whole it, it sort of uh, typifies the album's approach in a way, maybe that it's um, looking backwards or at least a lateral look. If I mean, looking backwards, yeah, it's, you know, the Beach Boys reference is sort of older Beach Boys um, slash 50s, you know, Chuck Berry. So my, I guess my question is, I mean, maybe nobody knows, but was that the intention as a the kind of uh, opening salvo in a back to basics album? I can only presume that after uh, Sergeant Pepper, they're ju- they're just they they probably want to be a little bit more rock and roll. You know what I mean? And, and that's just kind of a guess. Yeah, yeah. The, this is the start of that back to basics, back to rock and roll kind of 1968 thing. Yeah. But is that were they the ones that started that trend? Also, like were were the Beatles? I, I actually tried looking into this. Like, what music was going on that they might have taken their cue from to get to that place? Because essentially, to me, even though I really do like this album, generally, I, I do feel like it's an inflection point because they're not they're not pushing forward. They're starting to like retreat a little bit. Well, music from Big Pink had not come out yet, so I don't think that was in the uh, in the mix yet. But you know, the whole Bob Dylan's retreat from the pop spotlight mm, and then right, going back to full like you could that kind of was wending its way through. Um, you hook know, up with Bob, uh, like George went off and hooked up with Bob, and that was apparently a big inflection point for him about a year after this. Like some of the Laurel um, Canyon scene, like is that yeah. what we're talking about? Some of that, like the grittier back back to the land music almost. Yeah. There was, there was a reaction against psychedelic overdubs at this point, yep. you know, which was probably just due to exhaustion and a, a combination of things going into it. But you know, there was, there was some, uh, it was in the air. So it's not, it, it's fair to say then that they weren't particularly leading this trend where they may have been leading. I mean, they were, let's say they were on it. They were, they were positioned on something that was going to carry a lot of other people on as well. Or, right. You know, I don't know. How can I make this fit my narrative then? <laughs> I want it. I want it to be like now they're not leaders anymore. But maybe that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were. They've definitely always been uh, kind of inspired by Chuck Berry for sure. And uh, I would say uh, the song "Back in the USA," uh, which we'll hear now, has a little bit of a. I mean, I guess they were influenced a little bit by this, possibly. Uh. I, I mean, one of the things though is thinking about Ringo being basically hounded. Uh, out of the band over his drum track. Yeah. I I don't know if I realized it when I started to watch the Get Back miniseries whenever that came out like two years ago. Um, you look for any evidence whatsoever that Ringo is a problem and he never is. Zero like, problem. There's not, there's not, this is an exhaustively long documentary. There's not one moment of Ringo like, like you can see them, the, the genesis of any number of songs. And right. Ringo is just like, well, there he is. There, he's right on. Maybe it's, like, it's when he there's... farted. Oh, <laughs> I farted. That was yeah, the true maybe problem. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily going to bring it up now, but I actually, I do think Ringo's a little lacking on this, on the, on the White Album. Interesting. Oh, okay. Interesting. Performance. We'll, we'll get into. Uh, maybe he really rebounded back in the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Leo, what do you think of uh, the opening track? 
It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Well, uh, Ringo won't sh- show back up until uh, September 4th uh, for the filming of the Hey Jude uh, promotional film, which is pretty cool. I, I did yeah. that performance for sure. I did go through a phase of watching that every single day because Henry wanted to see it, and now he hasn't watched it in a couple months. I think it's time to bring it back. Yeah. I think he would really be into it. Definitely get back into that anytime for sure. Uh, any any f- other thoughts about back in the USSR? No, let's talk about Dear Prudence. All right, let's do it. It's kind of a crossfade, you know, kind of like a, you know, a joined transition. The Lucas White. And a good one. talk over it um so this was august 28th and 30th in trident studio uh they had an eight track in trident so um not really pushing it (laughs) with this track uh which was written in india about uh prudence pharaoh uh of course mia's sister who had pushed herself with meditation to the point that she was just oversensitized and, or something. Uh, something. Mm. It just didn't want to... Yeah. Thing happen. Yeah, maybe, know. maybe. Um, and she just didn't kind of want to come out of her her little bungalow, and this was written about her. Well, pretty, pretty I mean, not, not, spot. Not, not to equivocate, but, like, what religious commune led by a single charismatic leader hasn't, in, hasn't, hasn't involved some kind of, you know, sexual mis, uh, you know, misconduct on the part of, like, an overly charismatic really like, yeah yeah but that you shouldn't you should just know going into the commune at that point that that's what you're in for absolutely <laughs> yeah. whoever yeah. you're having sex with you're not going to be the one having sex with them anymore <laughs> yeah. so uh donovan is going to come up uh in a couple in a couple of these songs uh especially the ones featuring uh heavy finger picking so the finger picking style um they learned from Donovan, uh, both John and Paul learned a version of it. They each had kind of their own version of how to do it. It's like Travis picking or Carter family style picking. Uh, Ringo was still gone at this point. So this is Paul kind of nervously playing the drums. I would say his hi-hat sounds pretty erratic to me. Just it, it, his hi-hat doesn't sound confident. Um, in the, and in the final chorus, uh, you can hear Jackie Lomax, uh, Mal Evans and for some reason Paul's cousin uh, which is John McCartney yeah that's this is uh, this is very unsettling yeah there's multiple McCartney's I like the bass line bass line's pretty groovy yeah yeah. D- uh, Dear Prudence is one of my definitely 
favorite Beatles songs. I mean, it, it really, it, it just has a, a magical layered sound to it. Even though the underlying finger picking thing is kind of simple and basic. Uh, I don't know. There's this, this layered, the layered guitars on this one really, uh, that's, that's everything I want out of, out of Beatles music really. Yeah. It's I, floaty too. I really, yeah, speaking of like floaty stuff, I also very much enjoy the Susie and the Banshees cover of the song. Yeah. Which I, I think I might like better, better. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Hey, sorry. Uh, I, I don't care. Give for it a it second. We'll hear I a almost little certainly bit the goth kid in me, man. Let and me, then I want to hear from Alex. Let my, let this. my goth kid breathe. <laughs> gonna love Susie for sure and this will be on the uh on our spotify playlist uh this version of oh, yeah. uh, twice <laughs> of <clears throat> right exactly <laughs> um alex what do you think about dear prudence dig it yeah i'm, I'm a big fan of dear prudence uh it's uh I, I think it wasn't one that you know i mean obviously i've heard it a million times now but i don't know if it like grabbed me right away but it's sort of got the yeah you know, the the picking and John's voice and his singing is kind of hypnotic, yeah. and then it gets into that kind of rolling, um, rhythmic thing at the end. And uh, actually, on that point, I I got into some tiny little um, wormhole about the drumming on this on this song, which uh, there's some people that think that it's actually either combination of Paul. And Ringo, or it is actually Ringo. And there's all this kind of sleuthing about like the kind of fills, particularly that nice rolling part at the end, supposedly, supposedly is Ringo, even if the rest of it is Paul. Yeah, that I, I could see that. Whoever, whoever it is. Like <laughs> yeah, no, because it is just like a, a little drum solo there at the end. Yeah, it's pretty funky, really, the end there. I appreciate that. Yeah. Whoever's doing it. Right. Uh, and then I guess just one kind of like super uh, tangent about Prudence Farrow. Uh, she dated Robert Durst, the Jinx Ooh. in the in the 80s. Uh, wow. Dated. Just got out of that one pretty, pretty by the skin of her teeth. Yeah, wow. she dated him to the point that she actually called his uh, his wife saying that uh, she should break up with uh, Bobby and let let her have them it's the burping so wow. uh, yeah yeah hmm. the jinx um, well uh, ju justice has been served at long last on, on robert durst uh, he, most dangerous criminal is now away in prison absolutely <laughs> he's dead oh yeah <laughs> he did yeah, die didn't he? did he die of covid in prison fucking perm yeah exactly um, but he was was he convicted first? He was convicted before he okay. passed. Yes, yes. Because you know, I remember right after the documentary aired, and uh, you know, he was apprehended yet again, and it was like he was already assembling his dream team of lawyers again, and it was like, man, he's gonna skate again, isn't he? He's no, gonna he he's gonna go out of this one. No, no, not this time, Bobby. So um, the 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 first uh, four three or four tracks just flow together for me in, in 
just a super way. I love the I love the transitions between all the songs. I like the juxtapositions between the songs, and uh, the next song uh, is. I don't know. I think it's going to be problematic for the combo breaker. Yeah. No, not for me, man. This is, I love this one. Let's, uh, uh I mean, well, you know what it is. Even if you like this song, you're going to have to like half of the people you meet in life are going to hate it. Yes. So <laughs> I understand. You're going to have to deal with hating the song, even if you don't personally hate the song. Well, let's hear a little bit of it and discuss. I love onions and I hate onions. They always make me cry, but they taste so delicious. Oh God. second <laughs> fuck how can you hate this go Leo let me tell you <laughs> alright you guys got an hour I'm just kidding um, I, I just it was the the, the self importance like the, it was just too many self reference shit for me and it, it was just like I was trying to listen to it. I, I was high and I was listening to it and I was, it, it bugged me. I think maybe being high bugged me more. I was like, mm. I don't know, maybe not, but yep. um, it just, it just, it just, I was like, God damn it. Like it, it made me stop listening to the album mm. and you need to take a break after this song. Wow. And I came back like, a well, week you know, later. blame it on Mike Love because Mike Love is the handy scapegoat for anything you don't like. Uh, well, that's great. Yeah. You mentioned that before. Boys. And I, and this is exactly what came to my mind. It was like, oh, it was him that designed everything I don't like about this song that really fucking pisses me off about this song. Is probably it just, that it feels, I haven't read anything to that effect. I know they were together at the, at the compound. At the Maharishi <laughs> compound. Yep. Um, I believe it. It's so it's, in, it's just an intuition that I have that Mike Love put them into this mode and probably inspired the writing of this song. Yeah, I mean, do you I, know the Velvet Onion? Do you know what that is? Is no. that a sex move? It's a no. It's a dumb. It's a <laughs> reference. It it's a reference to the Mighty Boosh. You oh. don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex, what do you think? Um, I, I don't really actually have a strong feeling about this song. I would say, even though I said that, I think Ringo comes up a bit short on this album as a whole. I feel like this song chugs along quite nicely. I mean, yeah, just like the the just just like well, most Paul McCartney bass is good, and it's another one where the bass seems to do like a lot of work to to keep yeah, on pushing, throbbing, throbbing. Yeah. Yeah, and then the whole yeah. thing kind of—it's got a bounce to it. I think it's a trifle, but it's not a—you know—like who cares? Like that's fine. It's—it's—it's it's, it's pretty playful. On I don't, I, yeah, I the self-reference stuff like doesn't bother me because I see it as, you know, just fun. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not super catchy or anything, so I guess that's the only thing that doesn't that doesn't bother me about it. But it's not 
particularly attractive to be either i guess right i mean i i personally i love the drums on this this track uh the, the notes they're funky for sure the notes on the song say i, I hate this song that's what it does say <laughs> I, my notes i, I did not does. write that no i wrote it <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um i i just feel that's i feel like this is john, true i mean john d d was definitely aware of the like the fan theories that were out there uh a lot of the paul paul is dead stuff was already sort of out uh and i i kind of you know was paul dead he was, uh, and I just kind of like him trolling the media and the critics and the and the fans a little bit in it. And I, and you know, just as a kid, I think this is some of the first like meta commentary that I was aware of. You know what I'm? I mean, I was just like, oh, they're talking about themselves. themselves. You know, like, oh, I get it. But I mean, as a, <laughs> you have to remember things were, you know, it was. I don't know. I found it novel as a as a as a kid and always thought it was cool. I dig Paul playing the recorder kind of like biting his own shit. I, I, I thought that, I think that's cool. And I, th I, I mean, find is, it, is it a first for them? Is it the first time they, no, <laughs> no. And that's the thing. Um, Lady Madonna references. I am the walrus, which references strawberry fields. It's like <laughs> the, right, right. that song alone is already a references to other songs. Um, Lucy in the sky. And I am oh, Lucy Lawrence, in the right? sky. Sorry. So yeah, yeah they like right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'm not a big fan of self-referencing. Yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of cool. Um, I think the strings uh, are super unsettling, and I dig it. I, it's, it's like malicious. It's a malicious sounding song to me, which is kind of cool. I like those strings too. Huh? Yeah, the string, the string ending, I think, was stolen on. Uh, XTC Skylarking album for the transition into uh, one of, you know, they have all these little link bits that link the songs. We'll figure out which song that is and put it in the playlist, right, Leo? You guys say malicious. I think you mean delicious. Oh delicious. God. It's called Glass <laughs> Onion. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there there are plenty of Cook tracks. Your <laughs> oh, my God. So, you, you really froze. Become you froze out, you right? Froze you froze out. Spot. Yeah. <laughs> You did it again. Cook your onions until they become glass. So that's a joke worth telling twice. Oh uh, be before anybody drops anything, uh-oh. Yeah, no, you're good. One more time. Uh, if, I'm going to say right out that I, I really like Obla D, Obla Da. I, 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 don't, I don't consider it to be a, a problematic song on this album. Did you feel like I was queuing that comment up? I just think it's inevitable. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's like Glass Onion. It's a 50-50 song. You're going to encounter people who don't like it let's get it out of the way hate it i don't hate it it's every catchy. time i want to say i hate it I, I get into it so 
I honestly just like spaced out. Fucking <laughs> Leo went to a fucking better place. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. We were so close to the... <laughs> I was thinking about how I self-referenced myself and I was like, oh, delicious onions. There's two albums left after this one, Leo. You can make it, man. <laughs> uh, Eric. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's bad, but or, um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely bad things about it, but... Um, yeah. One thing I was just reflecting on when I was listening to it now, it, it's real catchy chorus, obviously. Yeah. It is two goofy-ish songs in a row. Um, <laughs> but the one yeah. thing about this album that I, I don't really like the way it sounds, a lot of it, it's like, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know, you know, if it's like an EQ thing or or, or like how, how the compression or something like that. <laughs> one of those things. But it's yeah. like something's kind of harsh and unmodulated sounding about it. And this song in particular. Super maybe, like squeezed together. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's John's. I think John playing the piano, if he is. I don't know. Whoever's playing it is really just like punching it. With he definitely stuff. plays the intro for sure. Yeah. I did just read that little tidbit in Revolution in the Head that yes. it was like frust- frustration they were doing it at slower pace and then John was like pissed and he comes in with da, 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 and that established like the faster pace of the take. It did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I do like, one thing I like is, this is a really kind of obscure thing maybe, but I love, because it's a chorus, the chorus is sung by multiple voices and you can hear, for some reason, I really like John's voice in that chorus. Maybe for the same reason, maybe he's angry and it kind of cuts against the, you know, slightly forced happiness. Yeah. Uh, he does some, I don't know. He does some really good work when he's clowning. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think we should anger, drop the marmalade. Anger fueled some good things, right? Weren't, weren't like the, the Ramones, like always kind of like fighting on stage and their shows yeah, just not pretty sp- amazing. So it's good. Not speaking to each other for years on end. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's the other. That's the other good way to have a band is, is that there's one person in the band you yeah. never speak to, and we just we just <laughs> self-reference ourselves once again. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, they were pretty fed up recording this. Um, this was July eighth, 9th, eleventh, and fifteenth. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, taking starting <laughs> to take way too much time on on things. You know, right. lack of discipline is is. Uh, is a running theme with this album, you yeah. know. This is when this is the track that Jeff Emmerich quits on. Uh, he he was just he had had it. Um, well, the, the last album too, they were kind of like on their own, right? Without as much uh, guidance or discipline, right? Um, they, that Sergeant Pepper was just sort of done a lot after the fact, after the recordings, with a lot of like mm-hmm. overdubbing and and stuff. Um, so. The phrase uh, "life goes on," this, the whole, the whole phrase itself co- was stolen <laughs> from Jimmy Scott Emapoc. Uh, is that how you say that? Emapoc. How would you say that, Eric? That's that's not Jimmy Scott, the uh, jazz singer, is it? He's a conga player uh, that okay. that was friends with Paul and did have a a, a decent career, and uh, eventually. Paul paid for uh, Scott's bail when he was imprisoned to to pay him back. Uh, the Marmalades okay. had a, Marmalade had a number one hit with this. Uh, the Beatles, well, Paul wanted it to be a single, but the other Beatles were were like, "No, forget that." Uh, we can hear a little of the 
to hear marmalade, marmalade version on the playlist version on the uh, Spotify playlist, if that's okay. We're not gonna hear it now. Oh, you want to hear it now? We can hear yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, give me a second. Wait. So, what was the catchphrase that Jimmy Obla Scott? Dee, obla dee, life goes on. Yeah, oh, life goes thing. on, bra. The the whole phrase was was pretty life, much life, lifted. Life goes on, bra. That's what he says at the. Oh, those are the the lyrics. Yeah, life goes on, bra. Yep, yep. Before like, bro. Yeah, mm, yep. The original bros. <sighs> the Beatles. Uh, let's hear marmalade. What is the point of this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, the, it's pure. It's pure. Just like grabbing the. Oh, they're not going to put it out as a single. Let's put it out. You know, it's just yeah. like realizing the chart pedal that the Beatles left on the table. They left money on the table. <laughs> Marmalade grabbed it. Yeah, mm. I, Marmalade do have good songs. That is not. Uh, I think that was their biggest hit. Not their finest moment as a band, but. Uh, you look up I See the Rain, which is everybody's favorite Marvel movie. I love that. What is the point of that? <laughs> I mean, it sounded fine, but it sounded a lot like, a lot like the... Is that Paul singing? Yeah. Um, it's like the, the Bee Gees cover that's almost sound-alike, you know? Yep, yep. Tickets Riot or something. Exactly. Uh, Although I, I, the, the, the word cover, the term cover, I, I guess in, in this case it almost... if. If if they really did sense sort of a a, a market uh, for that song that hadn't been filled yet, and they fill it, that kind of fills the uh, the definition of cover, which was you know that you're covering somebody else's song, like you're covering it up in the charts, sort yeah. of. A, except <laughs> in this case, it's the little guy trying to do it to the big guy. Right, for sure. Uh, uh, one last thing I'll say about it before we move on. I do like. I don't. I'm not sure if it was an accident. But at the end, where Paul flips, who's staying at home to do to do their pretty face? Uh, yeah, I dig that. Uh, I thought, yeah, I one that, of those old Beatle chance maneuvers that you know stays in. They're like, uh, any anytime anything random or accidental happens, they're like, oh, let's 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 do that. Let's keep it. You know. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Um, whew, wow, I'm just gonna drop into the next one. Why do you probably like this song? Uh, because the Pixies version is so good. <laughs> this uh, little nothing wisp of a track uh, was turned rock and roll powerful uh, peel session by the Pixies. Uh, cool. Check it out on their BBC Sessions release and drop it on the playlist. All right. So, awesome. Uh, yeah, that's supposedly that's just all Paul, even though it sounds like John in the background, doesn't it sound? For sure, yeah, it really does. Supposedly uh, in the notes that that's just Paul doing overdubs of himself. He's covering uh, at the end of... Right, at the end of the uh, 
Mother Nature's Sun session. He was just, this was just one. He had a little extra time and banged it out. This is like a forward reference on the album because they're referring to a song that's going to come later. So it makes it seem once Honey Pie comes back and connects to this earlier idea of Wild Honey Pie, then you think there's more significance. Neither of those songs you know, are, are good. good. Are good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I like, I like wild honey pie just because like it, in my mind, it turned into an actual like solid riff and, and like the absurdity and the kind of flippant stupidity of it was enhanced by this later cover version. So it kind of exists in my mind as a, as like a nice little absurd nugget, you know? I mean, I, I honestly, it's kind of annoying to listen to, but I do like that it establishes that kind of, you know, fragmented, uh, it's not, you know, like the, you know, uh, a sort of B thousand, uh, inspired there, there we go. Kind of yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if they, if this started with this album, but I, I mean, it's at this point, it's very appealing to me to have these little things pop up little silly things. So yeah. And that, yeah. I, I've brown always nuggets, loved brown nuggets. I've always loved like, like interstitial pieces in between yeah, songs yeah, and cool. like, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I, I like its place on the album for sure. Um, but if that's Paul doing John's voice, that's a really good job because it sounds like John to me. It does sound like John. And I, you know, sometimes with even these, you know, Beatles tomes that you read the, the uh, information from, you know, sometimes I'm not sure uh, if it's 100% accurate. Um, but he's capable. I buy it. I buy that he could do that. Oh, yeah. He, 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 he seems he is, has proven himself to be a good vocal mimic for sure. Um, that means we're moving on. Um, I love this intro. That's a preset. That's a Mellotron preset, right? Yeah. this song yeah i love this and this I'm, i mean this really makes a good case for like maybe they should have had more yoko because like i think her voice sits pretty nicely in the mix Great. yeah summering yeah, that upper I octave i mean it's like i don't know i i hear something that they could have exploited more you know yeah it's a great like dissonant element to them you know no she's great in this for sure very reserved uh basically invents the idea of deer hoof Right here, I think actually Deerhoof did cover this, but it's not necessary because this is already a Deerhoof song. So, uh, yeah, I think her combined with Ringo's voice gives it like this kind of amateur, you know, appealingly amateur sound on the, on the right. chorus. 
Although I gotta say, like, going through these first few songs, I'm kind of taken aback at how like zany the beginning of this album. Is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's not. It's not it really is straight like, oh. zany. You're if right. you think about it, back in the USSR, it's like it's tongue in cheek. Your <laughs> your prudence is very sincere and pretty, and everything else is kind of a joke. Yeah, does yeah. that have to do with so having far. all their like girlfriends in there and their different weird like approach to things here? At oh, all. this is like a, another song that was written in India. You can hear the like the sing songy sort of campfire nature to it. Mm, that's true. I mean, it was written about real people that were staying at the ashram. Uh, Richard Cook the Third and his mom Nancy, and they. I mean, the song is pretty much like what they did. They went out tiger hunting. Killed fucking tigers and then came back to try to get close to sort of like a, a Trump child power. going out to take Instagram photos with their elephant, uh, you know, shot. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, it's just uh, I mean, John, uh, I th- John always likes to call out a hypocrite. I mean, uh, it shows up in a lot of his music and art and stuff. Um it's obviously uh, because the tiger was probably drugged and shot by somebody else. And he could, you know, it's, it's clearly like a rich white tourist play acting as a great hunter. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Uh, As you mentioned, uh, the flamenco style guitar riff uh, comes from a pre-recorded bank on the Mellotron uh, as does the, um, uh, the verse, which is a mandolin and the outro trombone uh played by chris thomas so nice mm-hmm. use of the mellotron uh you guys have anything to say before we move on love it it's great it's uh, john john is you know this is some of john's best writing i think on this album or, or just he got into a very good groove uh after getting off the acid and, and getting into meditation uh and uh, he really knocks it out on on side one of this album. Like, with uh, with all the zany stuff, this kind of meshes with the zany stuff. But he seems engaged, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, this is not my my favorite. I like it. I think he sings it really well. In, in terms of it being, you know, if he's calling out a hypocrite, which I guess he is on this, I like this the singing performance a lot. It's it's funny to me the way he sings it. I think intentionally so. But I agree with Eric that just. Generally speaking, this is a good album for John. Yeah. The the only other thing I wanted to say is like John's writing after doing all the like Strawberry Fields Forever was written in a kind of straightforward way, but then cut up in the recording process and assembled into this very collage like thing. John's writing becomes collage like on this album, whereas he writes in a discontinuous way. He writes in these little chunks and with uh, tempo changes. I I mean, there's at least three songs I'm thinking with like big tempo changes that are John songs on this album. Uh, this being the first of them. Um, so he, it's like he absorbed the, the, they're not doing as much uh, tape based experimentation. Trickery. On this album. It's, yeah. it's a, all the, all the tape experimentation is condensed into one song on revolution and everything else is a little bit more straightforward, but John's writing is a little more abstract and a little more collage like. Absolutely. That's a great point. All right, just like uh, just like we would hear it on the album, I guess. One second. 
Jeez. Uh, another song I think that you either love this shit or you hate it. Um, it's not my favorite. Yeah. Hey, I don't like it. It's made up of. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't. Obviously, this has a storied history, and a, um, it's a beloved Beatle, whatever. But it's made up of sounds that are all kind of unpleasant to me. <laughs> like, I don't really like the guitar tone. It's yeah. kind of. Uh, you know, like it's it's cool, but it's it's like there's so much emphasis on his guitar throughout the mix that like you, you never get away from that seasick wobbly sound. The bass is so chung 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 chung. Like yeah, I yeah. I'm not a I'm not a fan of that chung 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 bass line. Like that's it just it's so plodding and awkward. Yeah, and uh, and it's a lugubrious maudlin kind of song. You know, it's very yeah. up its own ass for sure. I would, I would agree with that. The one thing, the one thing I'll say is I actually really do like the bass on this song, especially on the, the I don't know, chunk, chunk. part. Not, chunk, not chunk, that part chunk. so much. I mean, I think I feel like they're a little bit at cross purposes. Yeah, whoever's playing the bass seems to want it to be heavier, um, maybe than the rest <laughs> of the band. But whatever, I still, I still like it, and I particularly like that one part, not the chunk, chunk, chunk part per se, <laughs> but the other part, the more melodic part. I really appreciate that. I think, well, also, I think I've kind of come around to like thinking that the Prince solo is better than the Clapton solo. Oh, wow. I don't like the lead guitar on this whatsoever. I don't like the sound of it. I, I mean, I, I think it's a good song. I don't think it's a good record, I guess. Um, and I do think that um, it's sort of like the George's, I'm not going to say the worst, but like maybe what I don't like so much about George is he can, he's like real mopey and at the same time, like, what's wrong with you people? Preachy yeah. and mopey. Yeah. 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 Mopey and judgmental. Yeah. 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 And not that imaginative in the way he says it, aside from the, um, the song title, which is pretty poetic. Yeah. Uh, this is the first of, you know, what will be many collaborations with Eric Clapton including kind of switching wives um, <laughs> collaborative <laughs> breeding collaborative yeah, but, wife swapping yeah but Badge uh, was <laughs> the next sort of notable uh, track I like Badge uh, um that's, We've got um, that red that red Les Paul that shows up in the Revolution. Video. Yeah, I was just gonna say he is playing Lucy the guitar, which will uh, show up uh, in possibly now season three of Flaming Pie when we get around to discussing Lucy uh, the guitar, which will have its own episode. This is one of the darkest tracks on the album. She's not a girl who misses much. Oh yeah She's well acquainted with the touch of the velvet hand Like a lizard on a windowpane The man in the crowd with the multicolored mirrors on his hobnail boots Lying with his eyes while his hands are busy working overtime Soap impression of his wife Which he ate and donated to the National Trust I 
I didn't even want to drop it out, but I had to at some point. Oh, good. That guitar tone is pretty fucking killer. Yeah, and that... that, that I'm fascinated it, by that. It's so good. Everything about it is great. 100% A+. Plus I, I want to know if that guitar amp was a Vox. And I just pasted in a picture of the guitar, apparently, because you. That's, I was like, wow, you know, it's like a bending up like three whole notes or something, but apparently, I guess, is the fretless guitar... Uh, so that's how he was able to slide up so far. Yeah, apparently George is playing uh, a Bartell fretless guitar, which is helping to add to everything. I that's pasted going it on. into the document. Yep, yep. Um, uh, this song is is amazing, uh, and the climax is. Uh, yeah, here it the comes full the full power of John's voice just unleashed in a, a flaming torrent. Hear it shred. The backing vocals. Oh my god! I mean, this is okay. So there's an element of like sort of doo-wop, but it's hundred percent on target. Like it just it works. It feels like nasty and evil, kind of like they're using yeah. the the kind of like nasty evil song juxtaposed with this very kind of innocent sounding music. It's just so everything clicks into place. Like yeah, that's why it's still it's think it's still forward thinking and very beatle in that sense because unlike maybe other things where they pull from the past it's it's like repurposed it's recontextualized so yeah it is kind of evil i don't know for some reason it doesn't seem like a dark song to me but but yeah. i guess it is i don't know it's speaking just, on like it's the, just heavy it's heavy like the the idea of like sounding evil like i have all of taking this this very innocent element like doo-wop i always felt this like i've always heard this like uh, like evil element in doo-wop mm. um and i also also hear it in bossa nova and i don't know why that is but like i i, I always feel like there's something sinister just like beneath the level of that music and i, I don't know why i've made that connection oh that's interesting yeah. i can i can hear that though especially on the uh on the doo-wop maybe so uh too many uh scorsese movies in my head or could, something the, or david lynch yep yep uh the title was taken from the from the May 1968 issue of American Rifleman, which I guess George Martin just randomly had around the fucking studio. Yeah, um, what's the deal, George? I don't know. I guess he's a big NRA guy. Uh, this was recorded September 24th through the 26th. Um, it was several uh, song fragments that they just sort of joined together. Uh, the Dirty Old Man, The Junkie, and The Gunman. You can kind of uh, hear those uh, titles within the you know, in within the music. Um, yeah, uh, the backing track took 95 takes to get right. Um, with the Damn. crazy time changes, it really forced them to play as a as a band together. Uh, that's this, that's worth it though. That's that's a good use of studio time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, all four Beatles said it was their favorite favorite track on the album uh, because it forced them. To, to do that um it was banned on the bbc for the sexually suggestive lyrics uh which they were actually right for once uh because john admitted to the double entendre lyrics aimed at yoko um and yeah uh tori amos and the breeders both have uh 
notable covers. Um, we'll just find those on I've the playlists. We'll heard the Tori Amos version, but I do vouch for the Breeders one. Can we uh, play the Tori Amos version in the left speaker and then the Breeders in the right? Um, I'm just kidding. I'm going to ask the listeners to do that on their own time. Uh, Alex, uh, any final thoughts on, on that? Um, I do, actually, because I was thinking about that I hadn't thought of it as dark before. And then I was thinking about just now, like, yeah, of course, like the what he's saying and kind of the tone is. But I guess I think the reason why it's not dark to me to me is because it's still I don't know if playful is the right word, but they're being it's very inventive. And and there's something up about that aspect of it. Like, I think they were having fun and and making something really interesting. And I mean, this is a song just side note that i occasionally you know there's a few songs how that that i occasionally get like really in these weird um fixations <laughs> and this is one of them not the song so much like the song yes but the record like to the point that other people cover it i'll put it on it, it's not doesn't really cut it just makes me want to listen to this record again yeah. um so to me it's like it's life affirming in one way or another even if it is dark yeah i totally yeah. get that I got into the habit of singing along with the backing vocals uh, instead of the lead. Whenever I listen to this in the car, and I, uh, I just love those backing vocals. They're they're kind of a little bit complex, but it's I can, just I don't know. Yeah, there there are some like listen uh, to the backing vocals very closely. And, insane. And I I could say the yeah. same about Guided by Voices. There's sometimes like during certain choruses or whatever where like the backing vocals are the thing that like I catch on to. You know. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Guys, you want to flip it over? You want to flip this record over or what? Let's do it. Martha, my dear. something the song come on fine. Something, i love man. The, i love the instrumentation on this album it's really good i like the layers the song yep. has really good layers and yeah yeah yep. alex uh i'm not a big fan of this song and I, I was just thinking that like I, I like it better than i used to because i think when i first got into this album in high school or whatever um I would just turn it off like really soon <laughs> started. And I never got to the point where the drums kick in and the guitar comes in. And then one time I played and I was like, oh, actually, it's pretty good once the... Yeah, once you get to the midsection, then it's kind of like, oh, okay. too, Yeah, and I think just as this... I mean, just to step back a little bit, like, in, a, in the same sense that I feel like this is a strong John album, I don't really like... I feel like the best Paul songs are real straightforward, just rockers, and, you know, I guess there's a couple... Sweet yeah, this this really highlights the 
the sort of like John is absolutely at his best on this album. He's yeah. rocking and he's getting super introspective and personal. Yeah. And he's also sharpening his knives for like external target. Mm-hmm. So like his wit is his wit is at its best. His ability to kind of chop things up and yeah. also just like singing really hard. And then Paul just gives into every like precious impulse. Yeah, exactly. And like, oh, I'm just going to like, I mean, it's very musical, but yes. it's it's this very precious studied kind of musicality. I just pasted in a picture of the session for this song, which I like because I want you to just like zoom in on Paul. And he's just, Martha, Martha. like so it just like, it yeah. looks so like, yeah. so perfect. Like, like guy on the horns like, like he looking back. Like, any other he's lunch? like, well, this guy's a fucking tool. <laughs> right yeah and it is it is kind of a brutal i mean it's not the type of song that's the problem necessarily but it's a kind of brutal juxtaposition after the song that just played Whoa. which is really cool with yeah. A capital yeah. and then this comes in and it's just like so goofy um and then yeah the fact that the arrangement as it starts isn't even remotely rocking uh, like maybe if it started off in the middle, it wouldn't be so bad. But to yeah. me, it's, it's just it's too cheesy. It's McCartney show tuning kind of thing, you know. Definitely, he's yeah. always he he you know he loves this that kind of stuff. I mean, it, he loves his dog. He loves his dog. Uh, it's you know, of course, titled uh, after his dog, but not really about her. I would say. I uh, I think it might actually be about the dog, though. You think she she gets embroiled in the. The, in the conversation yeah yeah okay no that's well uh, check yeah. out check out the strawberry fields forever video for the uh on camera appearance of martha which henry <laughs> will always recognize and point out that that's martha like he no, knows the names she's yeah she's a good dog for sure uh and then talk about uh you just mentioned a uh, wild juxtaposition between songs uh i think this is the next track is uh, also a perfect the the transition oh, between yeah, these, next, about this. Yeah, the, yeah, these two tracks are another cool song. Brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking cool. He's nailing it. I'm so God damn it. <laughs> yeah, just grab you. Oh, I can't. Disgusting. Yeah. I'm going to bring it back for when he freaks out. When he's. God, I'm insane. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's so hard to drop this one out. I'm yeah. just going to let it run for a it's second. It's a good song. It's a very good song. Just another like uh, killer hook line of uh, "Give me everything I got for a little peace of mind." Amazing. Uh, reminds me of uh, you know you can talk to me, you can talk to me if you're lonely, you can talk to me. Like yeah, it's things. This sort of uh, it's it's got a threatening edge to it. Like Definitely. it has an edge. I hate to cut you off. No, I can't 
that's been a favorite of mine since I was a teen, dude. Just the raw fucking. Uh, I was hurt in high school. Everyone would, or not everyone, everyone who was into it was like, "Oh, this song's about acid." He took a bunch of acid and couldn't sleep for three weeks. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, we didn't. I guess at the time we didn't know about the the meditation that I guess drove yeah. him to the to this. But I don't know. I could see him talking about. Uh, you know, just be, his he's he has other songs about insomnia, and th- this is just his peak of it. I do remember the first time I took acid, uh, not being able to sleep or trying to go to sleep yes. because you know it's like I think when you're 17 and you're with your friends at college, uh, not my college, my friends call it, but and you're doing acid, <laughs> you kind of what you don't What's realize college? is that you're you're going to have to uh, discard certain habits that you've grown up with because I thought it's like after midnight, I got to go to bed guys. And, and what I didn't think is like, you should probably not go to bed yeah, when you're on acid. Try. And don't you're up try. Like, don't try Like I was trying to maintain this diurnal, you know, mm-hmm. the circadian, whatever. And it doesn't work. You've already exited that plane and you need to <laughs> embrace like, yep. So there I was laying, just like seeing patterns on the ceiling and and just infernal, you know, cyclical, whatever. You know, why put yourself through that? Just go watch a movie or something. Like, Seriously, don't, don't even fight it. So uh, as much as John was trying to uh, fight the Paul is dead rumors in Glass Onion, uh, people found more things to latch on to when John is speaking to the control room saying, Monsieur, Monsieur, how about another one at the end? Basically, just miss sounds miss like. Miss him. But yeah, <laughs> that was a really good impression, Eric. Um, but yeah, it, it's it will be one of my favorites forever. Uh, I that I do have a very uh, you know pre pre digital pre internet memory of reversing my copy of the White Album to hear that bit. Yeah. Um, I was given three when I got into uh, vinyl. Uh, I was given three copies of the White Album. Um, my dad's copy, my mom's copy, and I think my uncle's copy. So I mixed and matched. I kind of went through as like, I want to keep the best looking, like best sounding records. And so I kind of mixed and matched them. And then I ended up with like two copies of all the inserts. And I mm. gave the others away. So uh, copy. Uh, but that was the one, you know, that was I was trying to do the reversal on. And, and it was pretty satisfying. Yeah, that's always fun. Tactile media. <clears throat> I'd say that on that song, the production has all the characteristics that bother me on other songs, but for some reason doesn't bother me on that. It's like slightly abrasive sounding. But I think the thing I was thinking about it just now, like that that song, I mean, um, Happiness is a Warm Gun is a much odder song, but both songs have so much more character than... Martha, my dear, like, it's just like a so it's this oozing personality. And what's cool about it is it's just like about regular day stuff, really. I mean, it's there's love involved, but it really paints this kind of um, mundane picture. And you can really kind of feel that the like that you feel the feeling so, so clearly. And I think that that I guess that's something that that people aspire to all the time. And it's a pretty simple thing to want to do. But not not that easy maybe and beautifully done on that song yeah yes absolutely you feel you feel the tiredness even in the the way the 
instruments are played. I mean, Rainbow's yeah, sort of behind the beat, obviously, and just, you know, the the bass, again, is doing a lot of heavy lifting just by, like, lurching fucking along. Mm-hmm. It's fucking... Dude, Class oh, A, that's Class A shit right there. Yeah, and the singing is just ridiculously good. Uh, like, it's I mean, so expressive. John's always going to be my favorite, you know. His, his, you know, I think we've called his voice acidic before, like literally, you know, acidic sounding. It's like sounds like it would cut through metal, you know. Um, all time, all time singer. Yep. Uh jeez. But this is just the one album where again and again you can't. I always kind of try to be like, oh, you know, actually Paul was pretty. He was pretty experimental and blah blah blah. You know, this is you can't fight it. You can't fight John on this album. Like not on this Paul, one, yeah. Paul does not match his energy. He does not. You know, you you hope that ideally all the Beatles meet in like with their own individual uh, aims meet at some point that elevates everything and. That's kind of not happening on this album, you know. It's a, it's. Yeah. I feel like it's a really interesting dynamic to be happening at this stage because if this is um, probably like the, this is the final album of their actual true trajectory because they're like, oh, absolutely, kinda, yep. And the rest of it's like they're trying to catch up or trying to like make, yeah, they're trying to get your ending, yes. So it's like, but it's it's funny that John on this one where he has been. I think in the albums before this, up you know maybe back to Rubber Soul, uh, less active I think than Paul, um, at least in terms of which songs he seems to be the the main guy on. It's kind of interesting that he comes to the fore again. At this. Well, it's his band, maybe you know he feels like you know this is maybe some of the last time, maybe not. Yeah, maybe, maybe the last time I'm gonna have a, you know chance to like get that the dominance because he sort of disappears into drugs. A little bit more yeah. after this again, like heroin and shit, like harder drugs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we got a we got a Paul number coming up next. Let's you know. Let's not. Oh, okay, it's Blackbird. Everybody likes Blackbird. Let's not snooze on him. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. All your life You were only waiting For this moment to arise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes And learn to see All your life So it's another one Um using that Donovan picking style that he taught. Uh, I guess John and Paul had different versions uh, of how to play it. One more of a hammer on technique uh, or like a claw technique. I forget who was using which technique. Um, But yeah, I guess um, you guys are more guitar players. Uh, He's tuned his guitar down to D yeah, I believe this is a double drop D tuning, um, which is interesting because I kind of learned it in standard and then realized you could also play it in uh, open G or double drop D. Like it, it kind of works no matter what uh, tuning, if, as long as it's oriented around. It's a, it's basically oriented around a G major chord. Um, 
uh, it's pretty easy to to do in standard without missing any of the voicings. Um, but it's also the kind of thing that falls under your fingers a little more easily when it's in like an open G, open or double drop D tuning. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, this is an, an, another track where Paul was pretty much completely solo on this one. He's t- basically his foot is mic'd. He's tapping his foot is basically the so you know only percussion in the song. Uh, John was in Studio Three working on Revolution One at the time. Uh, and yeah, Paul just banged this out six hours, start to finish. What? what, what how, how would you even spend six hours on this? Like, it take ten minutes, you know? Two passes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what, what did he? What? What were the other five and a half hours spent doing? Maybe they were deciding when that that those little moments where uh, he doubles his vocal. Yeah, uh, well, I thought there was like eighty and Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trying to get the bird to sing on cue. Right. I, I think honestly, it's perfect and like i can't take anything away from that it is a beautiful song (laughs) it's like and his facility is like on full display it's like sounds so natural but it's also has you know it's pretty sophisticated in in its way um and i think i think we uh call back to the uh sofi stadium episode that i did with max burke uh he did call out this as a, a moment where paul can still jerk you well on stage <laughs> that, that your audio cut out so funny I'm yeah it's like jerk you off who basically you could like jerk <laughs> jerk you well Paul yeah, can still yeah, jerk yeah. him off with the best <laughs> yep yeah. hey you well, still got it <laughs> uh, yeah whatever Max said this was great when he saw it live last year so or this year I'll fix that in, I'll fix that in post for you I feel like both things are worth noting like it's worth <laughs> noting <laughs> absolutely oh man so oh god man i didn't even realize can't, we were can't at, steer away from this this one we, we gotta dive right in i didn't the realize album. we were at this point of, of the fucking album here man now if you buy vincent bugliosi's false narrative <laughs> Starched white sheds, you will find bigger piggies stirring up the dirt. Always have clean sheds to play around in. All right, Eric, go ahead. Uh, well, you know, um, Manson was a CIA student. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I actually have this, uh, I actually have this queued up. So, uh, yeah, piggies, 
Um, so it was recorded September 19th and uh, the 20th, uh, as well as October 10th in uh, number two studio. They had dragged an eight track into Abbey Road at this point. Um, George was, uh, George had started working on this uh, back uh, during the revolver sessions when he was dealing with taxes. So he had, you know, <laughs> pigs and piggies in the establishment on his mind uh, at that time and would continue to do so. Um, it's obviously um, brimming with uh, Orwellian anti-establishment themes. Um, that's Chris Thomas again uh, on the harpsichord. And as Eric was sort of uh, maybe teasing, uh, this song kind of gets roped into the Manson story because it was used in the Helter Skelter uh, prosecution uh, to to basically show how Manson was crazy. I'm not going to go into this until season three maybe well we're, we're gonna have to drop it on episode two of the one episode album. two we're, it's gonna come back but yes if you believe the the false vincent bugliosi narrative uh <laughs> you could get roped into how piggies is a a nasty song but it has nothing to do with manson manson didn't like the beatles he was from not from that generation yeah, he was a Beach Boys man all the way through. Okay. So I didn't know I didn't know this song was uh, hailed from the same time period as Tax Man. That, that's really funny to me. Like I, the one thing I was thinking about before we did this, I was like, oh, let me remember what songs are on this album. And I think it's so funny in a way that George, the spiritual one, <laughs> so interested in money and like people yes. spending money and taxes. It's like he's obsessed with consumption yes. and worldly things and he's just whining i actually like this song fine but it's just funny to me that he's like this is this is kind of not it's not meta because it is textual but it is funny to think about him as a person writing these these complaining money songs i think yeah yeah it's, it's kind of the old man taxes the corollary to his like, man it's sort of woeful spirituality of oh, if only people would uh, wake up. And, but and yet, all he does is bitch about. You know, <laughs> exactly. Like he doesn't, he doesn't line, have a positive baby. prescription, except like charge me less taxes and, <laughs> and get the police off my back. Yeah, this song desperately needed, um, you know, in order to like get over in in a way some line as opposed to like to eat the bacon, like to say, and the piggy was me. There's like no part in there of like I'm a piggy too, which. Yeah. Might have. yeah. No, self-awareness. No, self-awareness, George. Didn't the, uh, didn't, wasn't there like a mass uh, school bombing by, by Kehoe, something because of taxes? Wasn't that like a thing? In, uh... We're definitely going to scrub that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not worth it. Oh, man. So... Guys, any other thoughts about piggies before we move on to yet another? Is it, It's three animals in a row. Do people what? like this song? I'm kind of curious if you guys like yeah, it. You the know, next you song know, coming the, up or piggies? Piggies, piggies. The George Dark Horse cut on this album, I think, is um, Savoy Truffle. I, I do like Savoy. Like, nobody seems to give a shit about Savoy Truffle, but I will, like, rep for that. But that's... I stand for next, it. Ne- next time we'll talk about Savoy Truffle. Piggies, I could live without, you know? I don't really like the uh, 
I don't like the pig sound effects. They're too high. <laughs> they're they're too high in the mix. They are loud. No, they're yeah, they're, hell, they're super high in the mix. Um, and then like the the harpsichord. I'm not a big harpsichord head. You know, you're really right about this pig. Now that I think about it, the song is called Piggies. Like you didn't need to put pigs in there. Yeah, dude, it's pretty fucking on the nose already across the board. All yeah. your points and, and, are fucking. And, and and meanwhile, Roger Waters is like scribbling notes. Oh, this will come in handy later. <laughs> <laughs> and and nine, animal sound and nice. nine inch nails. March of the pigs. Yes. Do we, we, we put that on the playlist? Hey, piggy, piggy, pig, pig. We yeah, put, put March of the pigs and piggies. What the, happens the, to me? Yeah, put the, put all that in the playlist. Uh, yeah, put every pig song you can find on. There. I will. <laughs> I will. All right, different animal. I'll put a song on there from Menudo. Oh, it's like an obscure reference to pig. Wait, what's March of the Pigs? Oh, is that my snail? Yeah. Rocky Raccoon. Um, again, this is another one that like it's not for everyone. Corny. It's not for everyone. But I I get into it. I I like the uh, I don't know. It's unne- There's an uneasiness about it. It is. It's it's Paul. Not- Paul just does this entire album with a kick me sign on his back. Just like <laughs> challenging. Just like oh, do you still like me now? I mean, yeah. When I hear the when I hear the beginning of this song, like I want to cancel. The song, <laughs> like, like I want to cancel, like that that accent. It's it is it's a cancelable offense. Oh, that yeah. accent, yeah. it's offensive. And with but and then I'm like, oh, this song sucks. This song's so stupid. He's saying Rocky Raccoon and whatnot. But then I don't know for some reason I kind of like it as it yeah, gets he going. Gets you, yeah, gets it, it does later. have a weird. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he he starts with his worst, most alienating move, and then kind of gradually yeah. layers on things in the arrangement. Because he's doing like this goof at the beginning, and then it's and it's it sounds sad. By the end of it, I'm like, this is sort of sad. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah, think, yeah. It's almost like Copa. Is it somehow like Copacabana? Like the, it's like tragic in a way. It's like corny <laughs> and tragic, the, right? Put Copacabana on the playlist. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, get Copacabana. Copacabana though is like one of those songs that sounds happy the whole time, and then you go, "Oh, it's not really happy." Whereas this actually sounds sad to me. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But they're talking. I guess I get confused by the raccoon imagery. But yeah, it does sound like because raccoons just, are very confusing to you. No, but uh, no, there is no raccoon. No, they're friendly. The they're friendly. <laughs> I know, but I see a rac- raccoon in my head. Well, it did give way to the um, the Marvel 
comics character Rocket Raccoon. Right, right. And I just now I just see that even more, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. That's I, what I'm thinking. <clears throat> I love. Um, I I like it when they kind of go uh, country too. I'm not gonna lie, when they kind of dabble with that a little bit. Um, yeah, that's George Martin on the piano. It's very speeded and uh, ADT to make it sound like a honky tonk piano. And uh, sadly, for all the harmonica fans out there, this is John's last harmonica. Um, uh, what started with Love Me Do, you know? Yep, yep. And, uh, geez, can't forget uh, <laughs> Leo's <laughs> fucking uh, ham sandwich that he brought in, live into the studio. Like no to, one got the fucking reference right away. That joke bombed really, really bad. It's, it's, it's strange. I mean, I, I still, Christ. I don't have any, I have so many married with children memories, but I, I don't think I ever saw that episode. Uh, yeah, I had that show. Yeah, I, I was, it wasn't appointment viewing. It was more like compulsory, like, of course, married with children is on, so you're gonna watch it. But right. like, I, I wasn't like I was watching every new episode, like waiting for the next one to drop. Uh, I do like this song. That being said, yeah, no, it's I don't I, it's perfectly serviceable uh, on the album. You know, it's weird. It's a fucking weird song. Man. It is. It, weird. It, it is very weird. I was just thinking right before you said, it, I was like, but the thing about it is like, what is the purpose of this song? <laughs> Every time like I go into a motel, I look for a Bible. Yeah. 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 Fair. I'm not in motels that often. <laughs> I just <laughs> constantly <laughs> fucking shacked up. Man. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of uh, questionable decisions and tracks. <laughs> uh, it's the Ringo song. gave him as much time as I could before I had to start talking over it. You know, Ringo has had, Ringo had this song in the chamber for a a long time. It was first mentioned uh, in a radio interview all the way back in 1964. Uh, The interviewer asked Ringo if he had been working on anything and uh, Paul mockingly answered by uh, singing the lyrics to Don't Pass Me By basically to Ringo and the um, interviewer. So, I mean, it's a, that was, you know. So the heads were out there dick. waiting for this one. They were, they were yeah. like, <laughs> right. I wonder if there's anybody listening to that. I was like, man, when is that, when is that going to drop? When is that Don't Pass Me By? <laughs> is there also a funny of that, of that uh, Paul doing that? I, was, I, mean, I looked for the, the interview. I the looked BBC. for it. I think it's on the BBC, isn't it? It's on the BBC set somewhere. Oh, there's a maybe. bunch of little between song there. Bits. I, I feel that I've heard it before. I, yep. I can't try cite chapter and verse or give you a name. Yep. It's kind of funny to think of, you know, people talk about like 
oh, look at how much ground the Beatles covered between, you know, like take any 18 month window and like there's drastic differences in their writing from one point to the other. And meanwhile, Ringo is just working on this song for five years, <laughs> like polishing it, like yeah. someday it's going to be ready. And it's unchanged in style from 1964. to Right. But one thing that did change was the name of this song uh, over the years. It was known uh, as Ringo's tune. It was listed as uh, this is some friendly and also this is some friendly. Yes. And also a beginning. Uh, those were I'm going to cut that one out and put that on my uh my fake titles list. <laughs> no, this it's a great like, fake title for sure. I, I would love to hear early versions of this song, actually, because it definitely. I think a beginning like is available. Oh, is it? Oh, I don't find that. Yep. Um, in get in the get back um, documentary, which we will also cover later on. Uh, George, who had just returned from upstate New York, hanging out with Bob Dylan and the band. Um, the band had stated, unsurprisingly to me at least, that this was their favorite uh, track from the album. I'm not sure if they were being contrarian or the fact that uh, the Jack Fallon bluegrass violin solo was just so much up their alley, uh, they couldn't help themselves. I mean, that's uh, a silly opinion. <laughs> no, it is yeah, just a silly, a silly <laughs> Yep, yep. It's you contrarian. Like, I, yeah, because I, I honestly like the song fine. Although I have like kind of competing feelings about it, but to say it's your favorite seems like you're yeah being contrarian. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's a Dylan troll. That's a Dylan troll. Right <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely. Uh, one final note: uh, the pianos were played through Leslie's, and I always like it anytime there's a Leslie speaker. Yeah, I don't know. Life. I love I love the Leslie sound, but the the guitar on while well, my guitar gently waves in this it's just freaking annoying it's so yeah. annoying like, yeah, yeah that's I guess why, so. too much guys too much just dial it down a too little much. bit you think it was rotating too fast well you know they only had two speeds so <laughs> you know dude one of the engineers could have modded that fucker I'm guessing yeah, they could have they could have wired up an oscillator. They had to yeah, like invent dude, an, an oscillator. I feel like could, I could like, do that. Put your finger in a certain spot with the same amount of pressure. Yeah, that that redhead just hours. puts his finger on the fucking. They're just a jet, yeah, get the, get the freaking redhead to like hold a brake pad against. <laughs> just slow it down a little bit. <laughs> Don't move. <laughs> Don't move. And make me a marmite fucking. John's lyric. John's lyric slave. You know. <laughs> yeah. Literally pinned yeah, it to his head. Palm fronds. Yep. yep. I think it's a, I think it's a funny record for me because like I, for whatever reason I'm a, a bit of a sucker for that groove and that that the boom boom boom. It's, it's like dorky, but I like it. But at the same time, yeah, it's like kind of a it's a really abrasive sounding record. It's it's like aggressive sounding. Yeah. For such a derpy, <laughs> jaunty little tune it's heavy it's like why is this song so <laughs> heavy <laughs> i don't understand <laughs> yeah. so that's why like i get mixed up like I, i'm like I, i'm not sure if, in the end i do like it but yeah i go like as i listen i'm kind of like going back and forth toward between like it's seeming pleasant and it's seeming like it's sort of like um ominous almost yeah it's like audio sweet and sour in inviting itself in for a drink <laughs> like dude at least take your shoes off god um i love the way this next um track comes in right i agree 
illegal <laughs> i had like, to wait for that what does it mean when he says it come on leo <laughs> no oh man like he's doing this like um he's used this voice before uh like the jerry lee lewis sort of style or uh, screaming jay hawkins a little bit okay yeah uh, um, it shouldn't be allowed that you just put that voice on as like a put on <laughs> yeah. and you're back coming at it. Like, why is that? He's like clowning. Yeah. He's using so it as a it. bit. It was a fucking bit. <laughs> oh my God. So I mean, yeah. he's got talent. Yeah. I've always hated the way that he can scream so good. <laughs> so that's uh, October 9th and 10th. Uh, but written in India when Paul was watching two monkeys have sex in the road. Uh, and supposedly the hippie thing or the hippie story is like, oh, why can't it be so easy for humans? Kind of, that was his shit. Uh, but <laughs> that that I, it's basically just a 12-bar blues. It's it's Paul and Ringo playing the drums. And this was, this was the one track that... Um, throughout until John passed that he felt he felt snubbed he wanted to be on this track big time because it's right up his alley uh, well why could, not I mean he's in the Beatles what's stopping him like uh, I think at the get your ass in there John I think he was working on overdubs at the time for oh yeah John was working on overdubs for glass onion and uh George George was working on the strings uh on piggies so neither one of them was on it. Um, Ringo plays additional uh, drums and hand claps in the overdubs. There's uh, at least three different bass line, like bass parts layered over each other. And uh, Paul's playing everything. Took him f uh, five takes. Uh, I, think, yeah. I think that that, that song is like a perfect, what they call sometimes an album track or whatever. Like in and of itself, it's fine or whatever. I mean, I guess you could like it, you could dislike it, but um, I just think it works really well in context. Like it's a good, if it's a trifle, it's, it's, it's a good piece of the puzzle type of trifle. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. You said that. Cause I've heard other people kind of sleep on it. Uh, I think it's even, Oh, here's one thing I'll say uh, revolution in the head, which has been a good bit of a good resource material. We've used it. I've used it uh, throughout 
the podcast. Dude's starting to get sour. Yeah, he does not, seriously. He, he does not, not like he's... the White Album, you huh. know? Uh, and he has some pretty bombastic takes. He has some hot takes. Yeah. I right? might be a little... I might be a little biased about this song because, um, like, I think when somebody said, somebody, like, again, when I was a kid, somebody mentioned it. And I was like, as a Beatles song, I was like, what is this? And somehow I got my hands on it. I listened to it. And at that time, it was not like what I associated with the Beatles. So it's still to me, like, has that kind of feeling of it's striking to me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I guess uh, this album, I'm, uh, you can find those little hidden nuggets where it's like, it can be very personal and as like indie as the Beatles could possibly be. You're probably going to find it on this album, you know? Uh, that being said, um, wow. Just a simple straight down the middle Paul track, uh, in the chamber here. Who knows how long I've loved you. simple and perfect right that's yeah i was gonna mention that the the bass line is just it's a mouth bass he's just doing like frog noises maybe with the assistance of a mason jar he may be doing it into a glass jar um but yeah written in india again again with donovan uh who helped form the shape of the chords as both he and Paul recall, um, Paul ranks this as one of his favorites. And I, you know what it is? It sounds like one of those songs that like, it's like omnipresent. Like how did someone not come up with this melody beforehand in a way? Yeah, you know what I mean? It's a song that comes into existence and seems to have always existed. The, yeah. the guitar break really seals it. Like it's one of those things that's like clearly like, it's where the song is at a certain level and then there's this louder thing that kind of comes in on top that makes it glue together. Right. And uh, I think there's a little bit more subtle Leslie usage on that guitar part. Interesting. uh, Which, which I like a little better. Yep. Yep. Uh, It did take a little bit of work, uh, 67 takes to get the basic backing track. Um, And during uh, take 19, uh, Paul Adlib's uh, Can You Take Me Back, uh, the 28 seconds will show up later on uh, side four um, at the end of Cry Baby Cry and ominously just before Revolution number nine. Uh, I find it charming that John's playing the maracas and Ringo's on his little bongos. <laughs> uh, and George, uh, he just fucked off. He just wasn't there. <laughs> 
to me this song I, I don't have a strong feeling about it but um it seems decent semi-decent yeah. well, that's very that's very nice of you to say it's the bloody beatles <laughs> white album it's sold it's it sold it's the i almost pulled that in as a clip i love that from anthology um the bloody beatles white album right Leo, what is the, i think the exact quote is it's the bloody beatles white album go fuck yourself yeah they they had to scrub that for abc or whatever network it premiered on back in the 90s but uh leo there's something can i just say no, please question? please um that, that there's a guitar lick in there that's definitely in a, somebody either ripped it off or it's in another beatles song and i cannot put my finger on it the the little thing, that little figure that comes dun, out. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that in? It's in something else. Okay. Before the next episode, one of us is going to remember. Oh, wait, is it? Is it my best friend's girlfriend? Is that? Oh, that could. Oh. Really similar. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. It's yeah, the yeah. Solo. He does like, he's it's a little country, country and western lick. Let's take yeah. a break. Let's find it. Let's let's put that song in right now. Drop drop it in the playlist. My best friend's girl. Put it in the playlist for sure. So I want a piece of uh, the money if this. There we go. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, man. They didn't know. <laughs> Any day now, man. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, guys, can you believe it? We're we're coming up on the final track of disc one. Now th- this song is sad. Yes. But I say it just to reach you, Julia. 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 Ocean child calls me. So I sing the song of love, Julia. Like when do you interrupt a eulogy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not exactly, right exactly sure. I guess now. Um, Same uh, picking style as from uh, Dear Prudence. Right. Absolutely. So this alternating one. bass, alternating thumb bass. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, is that the claw? Yeah. I, 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 they, I saw a couple of different names for it. Whether it was Travis picking. Or um, claw technique, but yeah, it's it's beautiful. Um, this is John all by himself. I think one of the first times he chose to do that, um, and uh, it's yeah, it's about his mom. Uh, he had an on and off relationship with her. Uh, she kind of took off early on. Everyone pretty much knows this. Uh, they finally reconnected. Uh, when she was finally killed uh, by a drunk driving uh, off-duty cop. So that kind of like tinged Lennon's view on a lot of things, including Because uh, I'm guessing that guy didn't really <laughs> suffer any consequences for it. You know? Yeah, that's the they other cover, thing. They covered it up. Yeah, they covered it up. 
Um, the reference to Ocean Child is uh, a Yoko reference. I didn't look up whether Yoko or Ono was the Ocean Child, um, but that's it, that's in J- Japanese. One of those is Ocean. Um, uh, just in uh, half of what I say is meaningless, but I say it just to reach you. I, I I like that he opens the song sort of like apologizing for yeah. himself, yeah. like. But that's such a beautiful thing. Like, just like, uh, I don't know, just like my intentions, this is my, I'm trying to reach something that is unreachable. This, this mother, this mother figure, it's become, you know, somebody he can never reach. He couldn't reach her when she was alive almost, but, and now he definitely can. So, but Mm. it becomes very universal in, in like trying to reach somebody and trying to throw all your resources at at something and realizing that it's not going to make it there, you know? But you still try. Yeah, it's amazing. That's and that was an amazing uh, description of, of that. Um, jo- John, this is his first like outward um, attempt to to resolve some of these feelings uh, about his mother uh, in his first solo album, uh, My Mummy's Dead. But not the dead. last. No, not well, he would no. go back to that well more than once. Yeah, My Mummy's Dead is haunting, hauntingly similar in theme and. Uh, and sound in a way uh mother is radically different but uh nonetheless potent uh just beautiful leo you can't fucking hate on that right <laughs> that's a beautiful song yeah right it's very right. sad very sad alex um i i can't hate on it but i will say that i like oh, i always liked it i liked it fine but i didn't without knowing the backstory it doesn't you know, it's much more powerful when you know what it's about, yeah. which, you know, in my mind, I'm, that's not, I'm not putting it down at all, but that does say something about it, I guess. It's like a, so much of it is derived, from, like, I can't separate it now from, um, you know, from the context that I learned about, which is not actually in the, the, the work itself. Right, right. We get it. You're heartless. <laughs> cold, 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 cold man, cold man. No, uh, it's there's it's just hard. It's hard to comment on any of this material, and that's you know what makes this whole podcast a folly. But uh, you've made it through, and we've made it through disc one, the first half, yes, disc one of the titular, the Beatles. The white Two and album. a half hours we just did on on half an album. Well, we'll tr- we'll trim it down. You won't hear the full two and a half hours. Uh, but that we'll even said, trim that part down. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, uh, thank you, Alex, for joining us. I hope you join us for disc two. Sure. Yes. Thanks, Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, it's been awesome uh, talking about the album with you. And you, Leo and Eric, uh, will all be here next time uh, when we discuss uh, the Beatles disc two. Uh, also, if you like hearing us discuss music, check out our other musically focused podcast, Collapse Out, where we discuss any and all music from typo negative uh, oh, to yeah. the Bee Gees. Uh, definitely check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Until then, uh, see you all next time.